How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. If you're not following along with us on iTunes, Podbean, whatever it is, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, like it. Every day the downloads are going up. It's really, really exciting to see. It's been really awesome. Um, Coming to the end of August, which has been another record-setting month, it's been really, really good. Um, Tons and tons of feedback, downloads. Everybody is loving the head-to-head matchup, and we haven't even started it yet. We have our own little uh, call maker group chat on uh, on Facebook Messenger, and it just cracks me up. The guys have a ton of really cool stuff coming out for this first round. So I'm excited to get this thing fired off. Um, it should start next week. So uh, let's see if they have learned how to do that meat routine yet. Um, if you want a paperweight of a duck call, make sure to hit me up. The waiting list is getting longer, but you never know. I'm on a day two of vacation right now and i'm at home in the shop all week long kids are at school girlfriends at work it is awesome to actually be able to get some stuff done so yeah if you want a duck call make sure to hit me up i'm trying to knock out a bunch while i'm uh got a little bit of free time if you're not following along with us on social media make sure you check it out instagram facebook btbn Type in BTBN Podcast, join that closed group. That is the best way to uh, keep in contact with us. I got the I got the runny nose right now. I was turning some cocoa earlier, and I think just all the dust in the air has got my, my sinuses running a little bit, so sorry for the sniffles. But uh, yeah, make sure you check out BTBN on Facebook, Instagram. Keep up. Um... Man, that's where all this head-to-head competition stuff is going to go down. So uh, definitely want to be watching that. I'm shooting for next Tuesday or Wednesday to have the first episode. We're going to go live, do some scoring for the first couple rounds. And uh, yeah, it'll be really fun. Anyway, today I got another call maker back on the podcast. Well, I guess I shouldn't say back on the podcast. He's never been on it before. I've been trying to get with him for a couple months but uh, yeah, it's uh, the crazy Corona. He's a new guy. I think he actually got a call from me back in February, January, something like that. And then all of a sudden I saw that he was putting out some calls and I was like, heck yeah, dude, that's awesome. Another great call maker making some really cool stuff. So without any further ado, Mr. Tyler Martin. Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Good, how you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. I am in the middle of my scheduled vacation. I went nowhere this year due to COVID. I mean, I went, you know, out of out of town earlier this year, but then COVID hit. I wanted to go to Florida this summer, but that did not happen. So uh, I said, screw it. I'm going to stay home and work in the shop. So, uh, yeah, I've been turning calls all week, man. It's been nice. I, I, uh, I feel your pain. Um, my wife and I were scheduled to go to Vegas. Uh, during her spring break uh, from the school uh, right when COVID all hit so that got denied and then uh, we thought about maybe hopping down to like uh, Destin and down to the beaches in Florida and all that good stuff and um, it seemed like things were going backwards a little bit then looked into Nashville because Nashville was popping and up to like stage 3 so we actually booked tickets for Nashville and then they dropped back and pretty much closed everything back down. And uh, we just said, screw it. And we hopped down to Vegas about a week and a half ago. 
uh, for her birthday and had a had a hell of a time down there. Nice, so. man. That's super cool. I uh, I did the same thing, man. I was on. Uh, we stayed right off of Bourbon Street in a hotel and stuff like that back in March. And we left Sunday morning, I don't know, noon, one o'clock, something like that, to head back to Missouri. And my buddy who lived down there sent me a picture of Bourbon like seven or eight hours later where they had closed it down and the streets of New Orleans <laughs> were completely empty. It was the, uh, the 12th or the 13th of March, man, and we made it out. It was the weekend of Callapalooza. So we made like the last, tri- the last weekend things were normal. That's crazy. You know, surprisingly, dude, uh, the Vegas was pretty busy when we went uh, a week and a half ago. It was, um, you know, all the shows and all that are still shut down, but, like, majority, everything's open as far as bars and everything else. So it was, it was a good old time, man, and a ton of people down there. So, you know, we made the best of it and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. So. Do you have to wear, like, masks and stuff inside the casino? Yeah, you know, walking through the casinos and all that stuff, they still want you to have a mask on, so, um, you know, it is what it is, and uh, it's my wife's birthday on Saturday, the 15th, so uh, I reserved a day bed down at the pool at the Flamingo, and uh, they're pretty strict about uh, having masks out at the pool, too. Um, You know, if you weren't swimming or if you weren't drinking something, you had to have it on, so... We just lived in the water with beers in our hand and uh, didn't have to worry about it. So I was gonna say, man, you end up with a really crazy uh, tan line <laughs> coming back. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're pretty strict about it. So yeah, you know, it's just but it's better than uh, you know the alternative of uh, not going anywhere like a lot of other people. So and it was uh, it's close enough to us over here on the west coast, so it's an easy easy trip for us. <laughs> now like in the pool did they so as long as you had a drink you didn't have to wear one or as long as you were swimming yeah as long as you're in the water you didn't have to have a mask on um if you're out of the water you had to have a mask on unless you're drinking or eating something but uh yeah their pools are only like three feet deep so you just stay in the pool the whole time with a beer in your hand and you're good so do they have like a swim up bar, or would they have like uh, servers bringing you stuff? So uh, we had a uh, edge of the pool. Do what? I'm sorry. They had a dedicated server. Okay. That would uh, bring you everything. So yeah, we yeah we got it was her birthday, so we got like a bottle of champagne for her in the morning, and then uh, I got like a cooler of beer they just brought out. And uh, we just hung out all day and had a good time. Dude, that's freaking cool. I was uh, I was in Turkey one year. God, back in 2011, the uh, the country of Turkey, and they had this really awesome water park. Like that was the thing to do. It was like August, 100 freaking five degrees outside. You know, kind of like Vegas. It's a big desert over there. So we're like, well, yeah. let's go to the water park, and. Uh, they had this big, huge swim-up bar and, like, a pool and just people going crazy and stuff. And, man, we were drinking in there, and my buddy's like, dude, we got to find a bathroom. I have to piss. <laughs> and there's probably, like, 100 people around this bar. And I was like, I haven't seen anybody get up and leave yet. I was like, let it go. oh, dude, we're swimming in the giant vat of piss right now. Yep. At that point, yep. you're like, yeah, yep. just go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's, 
that's how these uh, fools get, man, when you're at places like that. You never see anyone leave. You know, it's just, everyone just sits there, and it is what it is. You know, it's just part of it, I guess. Yeah, so. you, you don't have any other choice in Vegas, man. It's 120 degrees in August. <laughs> oh, dude, I think what that day we were at the pool, it was like 116, 117, and it was just hot as hell. You know, so, you, you know, you didn't want to be anywhere else but the water, so. See, I have people is, from, I have buddies from, like, Arizona and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, it's not as bad out there because it's a dry heat. I'm like, 110, 115 is hot. I don't give a crap if it's wet or dry. That is hot. It's hot. Like, at least, it, it, it's hot. It don't matter. I mean, even in the shade, you're still sweating, so. <laughs> now, you're a, you're a north uh, Northwestern guy. You're from Washington, you said earlier? Yeah, so I live in uh, Washington State. I live in what they call Tri-Cities, uh, Washington. It, it makes up uh, Kennewick, Pasco, and Richland, Washington. Uh, it's kind of southeast Washington, so um, I'm on the right side of the state up here. But uh, I'm originally, I'm really from all over, man. Um, I was born in Alabama, uh, grew up in Las Vegas, and the day I graduated high school, um, we moved back to Alabama, so, yeah, I spent the last, I don't know, teen, here's the work, so. Do what? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from all over, man, you know, I spent the last nine, ten years in Alabama before, uh, moving up here for work. I was gonna say, what the heck brings you all the way to the other side of the freaking country, man? Just work, man. Just work. What do you do? Yeah, guy. I work for a uh, medical device company. Oh, so nice. You do sales and I'm stuff. In, yeah, I do medical device sales, and I work in the uh, dental side of things. So I work for the uh, company that originally uh, invented the dental implant. So. I work with all the dentists and oral surgeons and all them, you know, selling our product. Dude, that's a pretty good gig from what I heard. I had a buddy that would uh, lived down here in southwest Missouri, and he ended up moving to Denver to do the same thing. And we're like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'm selling fake legs. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's, dude. Uh, yeah, it's a good gig, man. I can't complain. Um you know, as long as I handle my business and do what I'm supposed to, um, yeah, I kind of make my own schedule and, you know, you know, set everything up like I like. So, um, it, it's good. I can't complain. You know, it's, uh, the only crappy part was, you know, when COVID hit, the, all the dental offices shut down for three months. So that was, uh, that was tough, you know, during all that, but, you know, we're, we're bounced back and everyone's as busy as ever right now. So it, it's good. I was going to say, man, yeah. it seems like there'd be a huge backlog. I was, uh, me and Scott Rowe, we just did our episode last week, but we've been talking about it for months. And uh, he has something to do in the medical field, too. And he was texting me for months. He'd be like, dude, I'm so busy. I'm so sorry. I'm always yeah. just slammed right now with everybody coming back from COVID. And uh, yeah, I can imagine that backlog just makes it crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy right now because, I mean, everyone. Yeah, everyone got canceled for 
you know, a good three months, and then now they're trying to fit everyone in. The people are just working crazy hours trying to fit, you know, patients in, get everything scheduled, and get everything rolling back to normal. But it's just, you know, you would think, like, some patients would be scared to go to the dentist and stuff right now with everything going on, but, we're I mean, we're not seeing that on our end. Everyone wants to get in, get everything taken care of. So it's, it's busy as hell. Damn, man. So what is the move like from Alabama? You know, I've I've been through Alabama. I lived right outside Alabama, outside Mobile, in that Mississippi state line area. Um, dude, what is the difference between going from Alabama up to Agland? And they're pretty small towns up there uh, where you're from, aren't they? Or where you're at now? Yeah. Well, so when I first moved up there, I was on the Seattle side. So I moved up and I was working on the Seattle side for the first year and a half, two years. And, uh, dude, it, it was culture shock. Like, you know, you go to Birmingham or whatever in Alabama and you think that's a big city. You know, Seattle is just freaking huge. And, you know, it, it's a melting pot. So you have all these different cultures and everyone else up here. And uh, it, it was uh, it was culture shock. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was pretty crazy. Like, I lived. I used to have to go to the University of Washington for work quite a bit, probably once once a week, every other week at least. And um, I lived like 25 miles south of downtown Seattle. Oh god! And it would take me two and a half hours each way to get up to the university to just go, you know do my job and I'm in there for a couple hours and then I head home two and a half hours home and it's just like the traffic's insane dude like I, I couldn't get out of there quick enough so um <laughs> you know a position opened up on the east side of the state and I, I took it as you know as soon as I could I couldn't get out of there quick enough and uh eastern Washington is pretty it's kind of similar uh a lot of ag land here um, I, you know, I just got done driving through uh, what they call the nation's largest uh, wheat producer up here uh, around Pullman, Washington. And I, it's just nothing but wheat fields, corn fields, potatoes, carrots, asparagus. Um, you know, so it, it's a ton of ag up here, which is kind of crazy considering, you know, it's more or less a desert where I'm at in eastern Washington. You know, and it gets hot. I mean, we... We have some days where it's 110 this summer and not a whole lot of rain, so it's pretty crazy how, you know, everything survives up here. Is it, uh, do they have, like, a bunch of pivots on fields and stuff like that? Yeah, it's all, it's all pivot irrigation, you know, and uh, we have uh, the Columbia River and Snake River that comes out of Idaho, and Columbia comes down from uh, up north through Washington, and, you know, all that just pumps in through here and just feeds all these fields and I mean they they water non-stop dude so it's like <laughs> they're not worried about water up here so yeah it, that's yeah. super weird man because you wouldn't think of that being a desert you know I'm just I guess a simple guy from Missouri but like my buddy invited me out to eastern Colorado and you know Colorado is you know the home of wildlife there are mountains and all yep. sorts of crazy stuff elk and and where we were at out at his place i mean it was a literal desert and <laughs> like it was not like you know arizona you see desert but like you're talking about ag land with pivots everywhere and nothing grows outside of the pivots i mean like yeah, it is man. it is dusty and i woke up that first morning after staying the night there 
and I couldn't hardly breathe. And I went to a sink <laughs> and opened, you know, turned on the tap and freaking grabbed a cup and started drinking down some water. And then later on the day, I was like, dude, my stomach is goofy. You know, this freaking dry air. And he's like, well, you didn't drink any water out of the tap, did you? And I was like, well, yeah. He's like, oh, dude, no, we only drink bottled water out here. Something's going yeah. on with our water. And I was like, that seems like pertinent information, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, anything outside these fields, man, it's just brushing, tumbleweed. Like, it, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know. It, we, uh, I do a lot of goose hunting, so I, uh, we hunt a lot of the fields around here. And uh, a lot of times we have to hunt the edge, you know, uh, just because there's not enough cover in the middle of the field. And uh, we, a lot of times we brush our blinds in with tumbleweed, too, so you're constantly getting poked all the time and your fingers are damn tumbleweeds and everything else it's kind of pain ass sometimes have you ever tried that a-frames out there or is it mostly winter wheat or are you hunting like cornfield edges so it's a mixture uh wheat cornfield um that's about it for the winter time that we're able to hunt yeah it's really don't need a wheat field until uh, depending on oh, I got a little break up from you, buddy. You still there? You still there, man? Oh, yeah. oh hold on. We yeah, got a, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you got a little bit of break up. That's the only downside yeah. to being out in the country. Okay. Yep, that's right. So, you know, 90% of the time we're hunting uh, cornfields, you know, and uh, a lot of the fields up here, like, I'm a, I'm a public land warrior, dude. I don't hunt private fields. Um, you know, private water or anything like that. So it's all public land, and uh, you know, we'll we'll camp out on our field that we want to hunt, like at you know midnight, just to make sure that we get it because the the competition is just crazy up here. And uh, a lot of fields on these public lands, you can't drive out to the center pivot. You know, so we have to hunt the edges a lot, and uh, it makes it for hard hunting up here. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. They have freaking public ag fields. Like, there's no way that you would have anything like that around here. I mean, like, if you look at uh, some of the de the State Department land, you know how they have it set up for wildlife. They plant some yep. ag stuff on there. Birds do not use that in Missouri. Like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, there's all this corn around this duck park. And it's like, well, I've never once seen a bird land there ever because it's too close. That's you know? crazy. That's crazy, man, because a lot of the uh, state land up here that's uh, farms and stuff, you know, they'll grow they'll rotation crops, so, but usually by wintertime, a lot of it's uh, corn, and I don't know if it's like they just don't care about how much they take out at that point. It's like they're dirty farmers, and they just leave so much feed on the ground, dude, so the birds just hammer it, and, you know, I mean, we're in a huge migration uh, area up here, so... Yeah, we're shooting geese all year long, but we get good snow up here, dude. The ducks just love it. You're able to pound on them up here. Yeah, that area is definitely one of the best in the country that uh, people do not talk about that much. Everybody thinks Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri. <laughs> like, that area is really, really good, but it's so... It's far enough that, like, it's a pretty serious commitment to go from, you know, the central flyway all the way up there. Like, it's not a, oh, dude, it's, a yeah, 12-hour yeah. drive or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, 
it's kind of like a uh, a hidden secret up here, man, and I I like it that way because, um, you know, when I was in Alabama, uh, I met some buddies down in Auburn and uh, became really good friends with them, you know, training dogs and uh, started to go to Arkansas with them. And uh, we go to, like, Big Lake up in northeast uh, Arkansas, man. It it was just a shit show. Like, you know, the whole shotgun start with the boat races and all that stuff is just beyond crazy to me and you know unless you're on private land or just you know you have a magical day like you scratch you scratch out some good ducks man but nothing like up here you know as long as you get the weather right and you're set up right you can just pound them up here well and that's the thing is you know it it doesn't even have to be a secret i think more and more guys are knowing about it but like you said it's just far enough away from everybody like there's no major city out around there what freaking Boise's the closest thing, and Boise's not even that big of a city. No, it's not. You oh, know, it's in Idaho, too, so people hunt in Idaho just stay in their own little neck of their woods, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, man. Do you guys get, uh, is it mostly graders, or are you getting uh, the small honkers? We get small honkers, you know. Um, you'll, have, you'll, you'll have some uh, flocks of the, the fat chicks, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're they're hard they're hard to hunt up here, man. They don't like to be at the little geese here. You know, the little geese just terrorize them. And uh, you know, we're starting to get more and more snow geese. So you know, the, the graders just don't want nothing to do with them, man. They just go do their own thing, and it, it's getting hard to hunt them up here. So, are you mostly chasing uh, lessers? Yeah, yeah, we mostly chase lessers. Just, I mean. We'll go, we'll scout, you know, and then we'll have a field that's holding two, three, two to 3,000 birds, man. It, it's just all lessers, you know, and then maybe like if you set up, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, you'll get the, the graders to come out late in the morning and then you'll have one flock and that's it. Jeez. You know, but we don't, we don't, we don't get the big flocks of the graders here a whole bunch. I, man, I feel like that's a more and more common thing that lessers are, you know, taking over, kind of like snow geese are, man, that uh, graders you're seeing are just around the big cities and stuff like that, residential birds, and uh, they're not pushing nearly as far south as they used to. I mean, you guys are pretty far north, but uh, at least in the central flyway and the Mississippi flyway, they're not pushing as far south, but those lessers are everywhere. Are you guys uh, running like silhouettes or you run full bodies on them? So up here in Washington State, it is legal to actually run stuffer decoys. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we don't run full stuffers. Um, one of my buddies I hunt with, he he's pretty anal about things, and so he took uh, like six or seven uh, big feet, uh, six or seven dozen big feet. And he would pluck the feathers off of the geese that we shot and glue them up onto the big feet to make them more uh, realistic. And so we run those, man. We don't run silhouettes or shells or anything. We're just running the, the big feet with the feathers glued on. It, it's pretty crazy. You know, it's, uh, he, he, he's dedicated. So. Yeah, how many do you guys run? Like, you know, five dozen, ten dozen? Like, that's crazy for lessers. We usually run about five to six dozen uh, of those. Um, we have, on cold weather days when it's snow and raining, 
Um, just depending on what's going on, we'll throw eight to 12 dozen of just regular uh, big feet. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll run big spreads when the weather gets pretty bad. So. Man, you need to get uh, you need to get some silhouettes for the cost. And you were talking about not being able to get out into the field and being stuck on the edges. Like running those silhouettes. Like if you throw a layout on your back, or you know, I like the A-frame is definitely how we've gone to. I sold every full body that we had, and uh, we hell, I don't even know if we have layout blinds anymore. Um, we hunt A-frame and freaking silhouettes, and we have forty-five dozen silhouettes and we'll just kind of you know pick and choose and use that maybe that might be too many maybe 30 dozen but i don't uh, enough you know and it's a light setup man that's crazy no no issues with the birds flaring off the silhouettes or anything you know i mean because you hear that myth right of like the reflection off the silhouettes or whatever you know will will flare birds and stuff like that no man i've never had any problem with birds flaring off of silhouettes if anything it's been flaring off of like uh the a-frame like maybe there was an overlap or something and uh you know you had a piece that was like hanging different maybe casting a shadow most of the time it's an a-frame that's causing the problem versus the silhouettes and then you get out and look at it and you're like oh yeah i can see why this is jacked up fix it and then you're good to go gotcha gotcha yeah we um we don't have any a well i take that back we have a uh, panel blind from the uh tangle three that mm-hmm. we'll use out on the river every now and then but that's about it we don't we don't set it up in the field but maybe i don't know it's worth probably worth a shot need to invest in that and check it out dude they're so much more comfortable sitting up and i'm, I'm <laughs> a huge layout blind fan like that like it's so much easier you just show up you know throw your freaking grass them in do all that good stuff and call it good stubble them up but uh as far as comfort wise you know you bring out a, a chair or a stool or something you're good all day long and it blocks yeah. the wind that's true that's true now it's uh always feel a little claustrophobic in a uh layout blind man especially when geese are working trying not to move and you know your face is poking out a little bit it's just it's can be a little chaotic well yeah and that's another thing i can't remember who i heard say it but they were talking about uh about camouflage and they were relating it to like your carpet on your floor so with a layout blind you have to imagine you have your carpet on your floor and you see that carpet every day you know how it looks you know where crap is supposed to be at well imagine one day you walk in and freaking there's a big row of humps in the middle of the carpet and it's six of them and you're like what the hell is this but then right next to it you have your tennis shoe and you're you don't pay attention to the tennis shoe so i think the the thought of the a-frame is to look like a a hedgerow or something not hedgerow but you know like a turn row or something like that where they let grow up or ravine if you can hide in that that's like the best place to go in my opinion but uh it's not to look like the uh the field it's just to look like something else completely and uh man we've had really good success with it in the middle of the field like you know i was super super skeptical of it because we always you know layouts right in the middle of the kill hole and or you know you put them off to the side if the birds are being skittish or anything like that but uh that a-frame i don't know why for some reason it it does not bother them down here in missouri and they're freaking locals they're not even migrating and uh the local ones are pretty damn smart. 
crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I live uh, I live right down the road from uh, Bill Saunders. Mm-hmm. He lives up there too, and uh, I drive by his fields all the time, dude. After we get done hit, hunting and stuff, and they're just out there nice and cozy in their pit blinds and and enjoying life, man, with a you know pit full of birds that they just smashed. So it's uh, <laughs> I get I get a little jealous sometimes of that. But he's, uh, a, to, he's a stuffer maniac too. Doesn't he have like two trailers oh, yeah. full of freaking stuffers? Yeah, they yeah. So he's running. Uh, lessons that are stuffed um, I think he has two trailers of those and then they started stuffing snow geese as well um, mm. and then they're running uh, Dave Smith decoys in between things too and uh, yeah they got one of his uh, guys Mike Callian um, he's the one doing all the taxidermy work and stuff and all the birds and stuff as well so they, uh, they got it going on man they don't play Dude, that's such a big investment. Not only setting that stuff out every day, but throwing it back in the trailer, having to put it up correctly, keeping having a place to put them all. Like, that's what I love about the silhouettes. Like, instead of like having the whole barn full of freaking decoys like we used to have, like it's three bags or four bags of decoys. And it's like, oh, good to go, man. It fits in the back of a truck bed. I know that's that's kind of what we're running into is you know we keep getting more and more crap and um, my wife and I we're building a house right now so it's like okay I need room for a decoy trailer this and that it's like if we just you know jump the silhouettes or condense you know things a little bit it'd be so much better it's just they take up so much room dude it's it's insane well yeah and it never fails that somebody plugs one of them <laughs> always. Never fails, brother. Did you get into uh, hunting when you moved up there? Were you? Uh, I guess you said you were already doing it in Alabama. Yeah. So I mean, when I was living in Vegas, um, I mean, as, as long as I can remember, dude, uh, like eight years old, whatever, right around that age, my dad would take us out hunting. And there's a place like four hours north of Las Vegas, which is crazy as it sounds, uh, in Sunnyside, Nevada. There's a little like wildlife management area, I guess, for birds moving down. And, um, you know, we would go up there and not. So, I, you know, I always look forward to every opening weekend. We go down there and camp all week and go hunt, man. And that's kind of when it all started. And, um, you know, when we moved back to Alabama, um, you know, didn't really know where to go and all that. So we kind of started stumbling around and, went out to, uh, I think they could, I think it's called Mud Creek, um, around Scottsboro and, um, Gunnersville and all that area. It would hunt there, but, like, Alabama's a flyover state, dude. I mean, if you want to duck out of Alabama, it's not the place to be. <laughs> Valid. You know, like, unless you just fuck the shoot wood ducks, I mean, it's a hell of a place to, you know, find a nice wood duck, you know, to throw on the wall, but, I mean, other than that, man, it, there's not a whole lot of birds moving through that area. So, yeah, I kind of took a break for a little bit, and um, when I moved down to Auburn and was living down there, I met some dudes um, and started training dogs with them, and, uh, you know, become really good friends and still some of my best friends to this day, and, uh, you know, I started following them up to Arkansas and grabbed my duck boat and would just go up there, and uh, I hunted up there for probably, you know, five to six years uh, before I moved up here, so... Dude, I've, been, that is I've a, been doing it as long as I can remember, man. That is a trick 
to go from Auburn up to Arkansas to hunt. That's like a six-hour drive. Yeah, six-hour drive. I mean, we would we would leave Fridays, uh, Friday morning, get up to like we hunt a big lake a lot just because that's what we knew, and uh, we'd get up there, get to the boat ramp, especially for opening weekend, pull into the boat ramp at you know 9 p.m. and uh, camp out there, and you know you can't put your boat in the water till 2 a.m. So we, yeah, we try to get as much sleep as we could, put our boat in at 2 a.m., and then pull up to the sign there so we're one of the first ones to the shotgun start. So when 4 o'clock hits and all the chaos, you know, just starts, dude, we're, one, you know, we're out in front instead of trying to be behind everyone. And, uh, we, you know, we talk, you know, Saturday, Sunday morning, head back home Sunday night, and uh, it was it was brutal, dude. It was, uh, <laughs> it was some long, long trips, you know, without sleep, so... <laughs> but that's you know yeah. what builds that passion for it oh yeah like i mean dude hunt, hunting up here is great and i love it but there's nothing like being in flooded timber with a you know an eight foot hole in the ceiling of the trees where birds is breaking through man there's i feel like there's nothing else like that you know it's kind of it's something special you know to where everything up here is just open water big river or fields and um it's just a different type of hunting yeah yeah it's super weird man the uh the first year i ever had and it's not arkansas flooded timber but we had a really uh wet winter fall and one of our lakes was really really high and uh, i think it was like 10 10 feet over normal pool so all the water was way back up into the trees and the woods and stuff and one of my buddies told me about a spot that he knew of and we went out there that morning and i mean there had to be every bit of 500 600 mallards using this little little patch of woods that had been you know knee deep in freaking water and it's just a little oak you know uh oak patch of woods and there was one little hole and it was like holy cow just to see all these birds navigating through the trees because it's not like that uh you know where i hunt at you know you're hunting big lakes rivers creeks and uh farm ponds and if you get really really lucky you'll find a field but uh the conditions have to be right for the the birds to be hitting fields out here in you know my part of missouri but like you said dude it's there's just something different about timber hunting that is insane yeah, it's funny too man like when you watch birds break through the tree line and come down the land and you spread it's like they, they don't land graciously. It's like they just plop down, like, chest first. It just hit the water, dude. It's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's cool stuff, man. And I do miss that aspect of it, you know. But I don't miss all the uh, the chaos of the boat races and all the arguing with people and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a... Uh, dude, I live an hour north of Arkansas Line. I have not hunted Arkansas one time in my life because of it. <laughs> I hunt Kansas, Oklahoma, you know, Nebraska, but you couldn't pay, like, I don't know, I'd probably go on a, uh, a private hunt, but as far as going to the pub public timber, it just does not have the appeal for me. I do not like fighting with people in the morning, that is oh, for sure. Dude, yeah. <laughs> we, were, uh, we went up the big lake one time, and, um, you know, we got in a little lake, and it was just one of them weekends where it's just land full of people, and, uh, you know, I tried to pass this dude his little John boat with like a 15 horsepower motor and like trying not to swamp him and he's cussing me out 
And I finally get past him, get rolling, get planed out. And this dude in this big-ass boat comes rolling through with music class. And uh, he just looks over and smiles. And he's playing Hell's Bells as he comes rolling by and just blows past me. And, you know, he went exactly to the hole we were trying to get. And I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> so then you know, we had to turn around go, you know, half an hour back down to try to just throw it out and figure out something real quick before daylight hit. And uh, it's it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. It's, you know. You better you better be nice to people up there, you know, or else you know you don't want to come out to your tires flashed on your truck. No, especially you hanging out with out of state tags up there. Yep. <laughs> uh, the good old oozers. Yeah, right. Well, I've heard uh, they you know they fixed a lot of that public land. Well, I don't know if they fixed it, but they uh, they highly limited how many times you can come in to uh out come in from out of state and hunt public land like that i think it's like 14 days total or something like that yeah they limited it pretty good and kind of cut you at the knees on that one a little bit so yeah 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 as a a person paying you know to go up there and all the time and and for the stores and all that and, and people in arkansas might disagree with me but you know, there's a lot of people that came into town, man, spent a ton of money to help support, you know, the local economy a little bit. And I wonder, you know, I think that has to has been hit a little bit as well, you know, when they took all that out. So Yeah. You know, I, I you I mean, that's definitely gonna be a big hit to the economy, you know, nobody's stopping at the gas stations in the morning getting their coffee, freaking getting, you know, Casey's pizza, whatever the heck you got going on. Um, yeah, it, it definitely takes a hit, man. Now, did you uh, you weren't goose hunting obviously as much when you were in Alabama, or were you? No, no, we weren't. Um, only time we ever got on goose hunts was uh, one of my buddies was working for a farmer, um, maybe like five minutes outside of Auburn, just local honkers, you know, that would come off a pond just into this peanut field to eat at night. And, yeah, we'd shoot them once or twice a year, and then that'd be it. So, no, not a whole lot of goose hunting, man. So, yeah, my, my goose hunting days really kicked in when I moved up here. And, um, you know, I hunt, I think I hunted probably 60 days last year. And uh, I'd say 75% of that's goose hunting, and that 25% is duck hunting. Yeah, I feel like the longer I've been doing it, man, the more I drift towards goose hunting as well. Uh, do you guys have a 109-day season up there for freaking ducks? Or are you guys on the so, uh, 60 or whatever? Yeah, we're on 109. Our our season kicks in this year, October 12th. Um, we closed down for like a weekend at the end of October. And then all the way to the last week. We got a long season up here. And uh, I love it, man. Like, you know, it gives you plenty of time to really scout and be strategic and, you know, and have good hunts because of it, you know. And um, I think, I don't know what they're going to do now. They might shorten things a little bit for the regular season because they uh, just came out with the spring no-goose season last year. So uh, we'll see. We'll, We'll see what they end up doing with that, you know. Yeah, man, our uh, it didn't really affect our spring snow goose season. I, we had a change a couple years ago. I can't remember. I think it, it pushed it back like a week because 
spring snow goose for us used to start because we have a ton of snow geese in Missouri. It's a huge staging area. But uh, it used to start February 1st or 4th or something like that, like really, really early February. But then they extended our, our goose season for an extra two weeks or a week a couple of years ago. And they, instead of opening up snow season, they pushed it back to where it opened like the 15th or something crazy and it's like well you know god bless dude i'm not gonna freaking shoot extra honkers during snow like it doesn't make right. any sense you know it, it was a huge pain in the butt and the guys that guide luckily they're not rolling through that early in february but sometimes they do especially down in the boot heel man yeah yeah uh, now can uh can y'all use uh electronic decoys Electronic decoys like uh, RoboDuck, stuff like that? RoboDuck, uh, rotisseries for snow geese and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't. Really? Yep. But no battery powered, uh, like RoboDucks or any rotisseries or anything like that. It's outlawed. So uh, we got these, uh, like, spinner ducks, right? Like a, a RoboDuck. It's on a pole string that's uh, hooked to, like, a bungee cord. And you just you just pull it back and forth, back and forth while you're trying to work duck and call, and it, it, it's a different game, dude. Like you know, instead of throwing out you know five or six mojos, you know you have one pole string spinner that you're pulling when you're hunting ducks, and that's it. You know, because you can't you can't be running you know six different strings and then shoot birds and your dog goes out and gets all tangled up in the strings and stuff like that. It's it's wild. Yeah, that'd make field duck hunting a pain in the butt, dude. Oh, dude, it's, it's a pain. I think uh, this last year in January, we got some good snow, and the birds are just in this cornfield pretty hard. And we would just take our one spinner on that full string and then a uh, half dozen field duck decoys and then like a half dozen goose decoys and just throw them out there. And that's all we would use. And as long as the snow didn't, and you're pulling that string, man. They just, they work it hard. You know, it's like, it, it, it's pretty crazy. You know, you're, you're in your layout line trying to pull this string and not make a whole bunch of noise and everything else. And it gets, it can get a little frustrating. Oh, yeah. Man, I've hunted mallards. Yep. Well, I've hunted, uh, had mallards work us in fields where we're, you know, we're doing a honker hunt. And we have a big honker spread set out. And then, of course, ducks start trickling in, you know, off the rivers or whatever into the field. And, you know, we didn't bring a freaking robo-duck or anything like that. We didn't, you know, didn't need it. We are hunting honkers. We are waiting for honkers, but we're like, well, cool. And, uh, you know, I've seen freaking mallards spin and spin and spin and spin without a freaking, without something, you know, guiding them down. And it is frustrating. You just drop your call eventually. You're like, oh, they'll get down here when they want to get down here. Anytime we're goose hunting, man, even if we're just setting up for geese, we always take the spinner with us. And uh, we got it in the back, you know, one of my buddy's blinds, uh, just in case, you know, we need to throw it out real quick if, if the ducks are hitting the field. And uh, we don't we don't go anywhere without it, so. I don't blame you, man. You guys, uh, you have a lot better reason. Like I said, seeing birds, or seeing mallards in a field, around here is very very rare it happens once or twice a year and every all the stars have to align it's just uh, we're i live in the ozark mountains man we just don't have the uh, soil yeah. and we don't have the birds really 
but uh, it's pretty cool, man. Did you get into uh, call making and collecting before you moved up there? Or is that something you developed when you moved up there? So I've been collecting calls um, back when I was living in Alabama. I was, you know, I met my buddies down in Auburn there, and uh, I think they told me about like uh, what was those uh, pages that call trader and what's the other one that call exchange. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I started getting on there and looking around. I was like, man, this, this is pretty cool because, you know, I was like, growing up, I blew a uh, DR-85 double read. <laughs> and then, um, you know, as I started making my own money and stuff, I went and bought a daisy cutter. And uh, I really didn't know about, like, the custom world or the, you know, collective side of things. And I got on those pages and started looking around and, you know, I was kind of blown away of what's out there. And, you know, I think, my first custom call I ever got was a zero, and um, man, I, I was hooked after that. Like I fell in love with the call, and yeah, you know, bought a ton from him. Made his mortgage payment for probably a couple months, <laughs> and uh, you know, Scott and I, you know, developed a relationship and all that, and, and had a good time. And I think the second one, um, my girlfriend I was dating at the time actually bought me a Raggio. Um, call that she put in for my birthday that was checkered and uh, stippled on the insert and that kind of started my collecting side of things and last year you know, I've, I've always kind of thought about like make my own call and kind of get into it yeah uh, just never really jumped on it you know so the idea has always been in my head for the last like five or six years when I moved up here and so you know last year there's a it was about December time is when I started. There's a um, there's a shop over on the Seattle side that gets all of the uh, damaged jet equipment coming off of the ships, and so they fix it up and sell it like full full sale pricing, man. And I started looking at everything, and we just decided to load up and go over to Seattle. And I, I bought drill press, lathes, um, you know, bands on the whole the whole night dark, man. Got everything, and then. Uh, I got a flat jig from Wade and started cutting and playing with things and start, you know, my, see, my first 50 barrels were terrible trying to learn how to turn out lathes <laughs> right. and trying to figure everything out, you know. And, yeah, thought, um, just cheap dowel rods from, like, Home Depot, uh, playing with inserts and stuff and just kind of went from there and, um, you know, start, kind of got a little more comfortable and was cutting off of a flat jig and um, sent a couple calls to my buddies and uh, you know got their feedback and they liked them so I just decided to kind of pursue it a little bit more and uh, you know played with their things and probably I don't know 40 50 calls in um, is when I decided to send one out to get jigged and um, you know that's the that's the tone board I use now and um, it's it's been fun man it's uh I haven't done a whole lot in the last month and a half, two months. Um, it's just been hot as hell here, so trying to work out in the garage and turn when it's 110 degrees up here is just miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, been having a lot of other stuff going on with getting this house together and vacations and just kind of having a, you know, quality of life and getting back to work a little bit, back in the routine. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I started out. And, um, I got a, a couple 
dudes down in Alabama that, you know, ended up liking the calls and everything just kind of rolled from there. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for the next best, though, on my tone board. So I'm always kind of like tweaking things and playing with things. And, um, it's, uh, it's fun, man. I, I, I get to enjoy it. It's, it's peaceful to me. You know, just being out in the shop and turning and, uh, just kind of being by myself after, uh, you know, having to entertain people all day long for work. So it's, uh, it's my little getaway. Yeah, man. There is something about being a salesman that just freaking, it wears you out by the end of the day. <laughs> like, you're like, I just don't want to hear another person talk <laughs> for just a little bit. And like oh, you I said, my, man, uh, my wife gets mad at me, dude. Like, yeah, I'm constantly on the phone all day or talking to people in person. And I'm just going nonstop, dude. So it's like when I get home, you know, my wife's excited to see me and she just wants to tell me about everything for the day. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I, I love you. And I want to hear, it's like, I just need a, I need like an hour or two just to kind of decompress and, and get things back together before, <laughs> before we, I can actually pay attention and have a good conversation with you. I agree, so. man. It's tough. There are a lot of days that, uh, man, I'll, I'll turn off everything i'll turn off music i'll turn off freaking podcasts and i'm just like just sit there and i'm like it's quiet for 10 to 15 minutes i'm like all right now tell me everything you have to tell me i want to know everything but i just need that couple of minutes to just stop (laughs) it wears on you it makes you physically exhausted no there's quite a few times when i pull back home man and like i just sit in my truck for five to ten minutes and the radio's not going, nothing's going, it's just like, okay, this is, this is nice, it's peaceful, you know, before I go inside and have to, you know, be, uh, the honeydew list and everything <laughs> else that goes on, so. <laughs> right, man, it's, uh, yeah. it's fun, but you really, you hit the ground running, man, I remember starting to see some of your work come out at the early, early beginning part of this year, or late last year, I can't remember, and I was like, hell, man, that's super cool that you were starting to spin them out and then it was like dude he's doing a ton like yeah it was um i i really started i kicked everything off in december and then yeah i was playing with things here and there trying to figure everything out um and then uh david knock actually reached out to me and kind of gave me some pointers man and helped me out along the way as long as uh same with travis ward and uh channing so uh, you know, they helped me out as much as they could and just kind of, you know, hit the ground running. And I think, you know, every chance I had, I feel like I was in the shop turning and trying to, you know, learn and constantly improve on things. And, you know, and then COVID hit and man, that, that really gave me a lot of time to be in the shop, you know, cause, uh, you know, I was lucky enough. I didn't get furloughed or laid off or anything like that, but with our industry being closed for three months, you know, there's nothing to do. So, I mean, I lived in the shop every day for pretty much three months. <laughs> and we're just cranking stuff out, you know. And uh, I need to I need to get back to that a little bit. Um, yeah, I've been missing it here a little bit, you know, with everything else going on. But that really gave me time to kind of settle in and really learn, you know, everything that's going on and try to make tweaks here and there on everything. So It let you... Uh 
you know, let you exercise your inner addict. <laughs> you know, those duck call makers, man, are all freaking addicts. And it's like that's you, right. you freaking start and that's all you want to do. That's all you think about for the longest time. And then it kind of settles into where it becomes something you do for fun. And then, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit busy and it gets over hectic. And then you come back and it's fun again. Like, it, it's... It feels bad to say, but man, my work never slowed down with COVID. And I was like, I wish that I could just take like a month <laughs> of slowdown and just go out there and play in the call shop. Because I was like, damn it, everybody else is doing this sucker. I mean, I'm, I was very thankful to still have a job and stuff like that and be able to Yeah, it's like, you know, you had, I think, me, uh, Colton Thompson, Brad Elbridge. I think we all kind of just got rolling at the same time and then it's like, yeah, I was talking to Colton during the COVID, and it seemed like he was, you know, in the shop a little bit more. And uh, I think it all kind of gave us, you know, uh, more time in the shop to really get settled in and get comfortable with everything and get rolling, dude. And, uh, you know, but I'll tell you, after being in the shop every day for three months and then getting back to work, I was kind of almost to that point of getting burned out a little bit. It was, you know, it, it's a lot. Like, I mean, I, I definitely applaud the dudes that, you know, do it for a living day in, day out. I mean, it's uh, it's a grind in there, you know. Yeah, it can, and it's tough. Like, you know, I told you I took this week off, and it's like I, I'm trying to really segment my week because I'll end up staying out there all day long or I'll end up coming inside and I'll be working on podcasts or something like that and look up and I'm like, damn it, I've been inside for four hours. Like, it's kind of like having to break it up and work on small segments at a time but you know how it is you get dirty and covered in dust and that's what you know i'll tell the girlfriend at night and she's like are you gonna come to bed and i'm like well it's it's pretty early for my like i'm not ready to go to bed yet but i also don't want to come inside and hang out and freaking then you know have to shower (laughs) and then go back outside and get dirty again so it's like you know well hell i guess i'll just come in here and hang out for the night you know yeah yeah we get sucked in yeah, but it's uh, it's been fun, man. It's been a good journey, and you know I, I'm still new at this game and still you know learning quite a lot every day. So um, yeah, hopefully you know ten years down the road it's still kicking and uh, I still enjoy it. So you know it's uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to this year, man. That way I can actually hunt my calls and um, you know enjoy that side of things a little bit more. Yeah, I like making calls for other people and, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of the business side of things. But, you know, it, it was more or less just for me, man, just to, you know, make my buddy some calls, make me some calls and, and just enjoy it. Yeah, that's one thing, man. I'm surprised with you starting in December, you didn't get one out in time for the end of January. I, I had a couple, you know. Um, some clunkers. Yeah, yeah, some clunkers. <laughs> I know, know the feeling, and uh, I would take them out, and, like, the low end be there, man, but it's like, as soon as you get on it and get some pressure, it just locks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, all right, back to the drawing board, you know. And, you know, I took a couple out there, and it's like, you know, you get frustrated with it while you're trying to work 100 birds in a field. And then you just, you know, toss it in your blind bag and then go back to uh, oh, blowing you. with your <laughs> So, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, it's just part of it, man, part of the learning process. So, absolutely. Did you start with a uh, three three five flat jig or a three five zero? 
335. I was going to say. Right on. I can't remember who. Yeah. I got somebody switched over to a 350 the other day because that's what uh, I started with the 335 a couple of years ago. And then uh, last year, at the end of summer, I switched to a 350. And uh, I need to get another 335 to play around with it. But, man, I'm happy with the 350 right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I've thought about getting the, the raised deck guys on that, just to kind of a little extra meat to play with on things, you know, um, and just kind of play with things a little bit. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if I venture down that way again. But I like to just take what I got right now, hunt it this season, and, you know, see how I really like them. Because, you know, you, you can blow them all day in your shop, and everything sounds good in your shop or, you know, just outside your shop. But... Unless you really get out in the field and you know really hammer on things and see how the birds work and react, you know that'll that'll tell a different story. So, oh well, yeah, man. And uh, the one of the things that I found was the toughest was tuning them for people that aren't in the room. Like if yeah. I have buddies and stuff that want to get calls for me that live in the area, I'm like, come over to the shop and uh, let's sit down and I'll set it up, have you blow it. I'll listen to the way that you're you're running it, and then I'll make some tweaks on it. But I always hated sending them out to somebody who I didn't know how they liked it set up. Because you know we all run them slightly different, different areas. Yeah. Uh, no, that that that's the truth, man. That's I'd say that's the hardest part about all this, you know, because you know what we might like and what we want in the call is not what someone else wants. And you know, I like a I like a call where I blow hard, I blow a lot of pressure, and so, you know, that's what I like, but a lot of people don't like that, you know, and they can't, they have trouble running it, so, you know, that, that, that's been the biggest challenge out of all this, is trying to find something, tune something to someone else's liking that they'll be happy with, and that way they don't feel like they got shafted. <laughs> right, right, it, that's, so. man, it's tough because I've danced in between, like, tuning them too light for me because then that's like should be around the ballpark of what everybody else yeah. likes but then well, it's you're like, overblowing it right right exactly and then it's you know i can't remember who else told me that and they're like well just tune it the way that you like it and they can always trim down and i'm like well yeah that's too true they can do that too but it's still just not you know it's just not uh a perfect system for sure right no it never is man like, and every call is different that you make. You know, everything sounds a little bit differently. You know, you just tune it to the ear of what you think sounds good. And, you know, and at the end of the day, dude, if someone doesn't like it, cool. Like, I'd be more than happy to buy it back. I mean, <laughs> don't bother me. Yeah, you right. know? Well, so. That's my favorite is making a call for somebody and then five days later you see it up on the trader and you're like ah oh, son of a gun he didn't like how it ran but then the guy that gets it will message me and order three more of them you know right. like it's like it's a win-lose you know like you said there's different calls for everybody and uh some guys you know are like hey man this fits like a glove and then some i'm like ah this thing's a little finicky for me man yeah yeah so yeah it it is what it is you know it's just part of it man you know and I don't, I don't get bent out of shape if I see my call floating around somewhere else, you know, so. Well, and it's, it's like freaking baseball cards, man. Everybody, you're always yep. wheeling and dealing, man. It's, there's some people oh, dude, who. I'm, I do it too, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's a, a call uh, that I specifically 
you know, ordered uh, for someone that had made for me. You know what I mean? Like, stuff off the waffles that I win, whatever. Like, they, like, I, I let go of a bunch of stuff earlier just because, you know, we're building this house and, you know, need some funds. So, it's, it's nothing personal. You know, it's just, you know, if it's not made specifically for me, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's got a expiration date eventually sometimes, so... Well, yeah, that's what I told Scott. I was like, dude, I've wanted one of your calls for a long time, and I've had the opportunity to own quite a few of your calls, but I wanted one that you made for me because I'm not going to get rid of it. And, right. uh, you know, I was like, I've, finally, I was like, for the love of God, just put me on your list, brother. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's Good luck. What's Scott out, like two years right now? Well, yeah, I, I won't tell you, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I might have got a picture, like, five minutes later, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love Scott, man. He's, him and, uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot for me, and, uh, you know, Josh Raggio is another dude. I, um, I got, so when I got married, I got all my groomsmen, uh, Raggio duck Alt, and, uh, I forgot about one, and Josh whipped it out, dude, you know, no problem, and helped me out, but it's like, you know, they're stand-up dudes, man, I, I got a lot of respect for them, and they're great people, you know, yeah. no matter what, that's, so. <laughs> Absolutely, man, I've talked to, you know, I've done two podcasts with Josh, and dude, that guy, like, I love picking his brain, and then I did the one with Scott, and I think I've spent three times as much time on the three times yeah three times as much time on the phone with them outside of the podcast just because just chatting back and forth they're both really really good and everybody that i've talked to on this thing has been really really good but i definitely enjoy talking to those two a lot as well yeah and they, they make they make a fantastic call i mean there's it, you'll never have any issues with their stuff dude it's you know it's jam up work absolutely well what's uh so you're going to try to get back into the shop a little bit more after this house is done? Is that the, the goal? Uh, we're, you know, we're four to five months out from the house being finished. Holy crap. Um, so, but, you know, work is kind of starting to taper back off a little bit. So I'll have a little more free time. I was actually, I'm planning to be in the shop tomorrow and get turnips and stuff. I got, got a couple people on the, uh, on the log book that have uh, been waiting patiently. So I need to I need to get back to work in the shop a little bit and get them taken care of, and was, then. Uh, I was go gonna ahead. say, are you uh, are you taking custom orders? Uh, every now and then, man. Like, not not a whole lot. You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to keep it limited right now. Right on. Uh, just cause everything going on, but yeah, I mean, I'll take some custom orders here and there. But I think after you know, I run through what's left on my list. Uh, I'm gonna shut the books down for the rest of the year, especially with hunting season coming in. And uh, I'm just gonna focus on making me a couple calls, my dad a couple calls, you know, and some friends. And then that's about it, probably for the rest of the year. And then, you know, if I get, if I get a while here, you know, I'll be on the shop turning stuff, and you know, if something's available, I'll just post it up. Yeah, so do the Ernie Ross, you know, man. Yeah, you yeah, know, you know, <laughs> it's uh, I, man, I, I like taking orders. It's cool. But it's a, uh, it can be a little stressful. <laughs> it's a headache. I hate doing yep. orders with a passion. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. You want to give someone that they want, you know, something that they want, and they like. But uh, yeah, it's uh, life gets in the way sometimes, man. And uh, 
you know, and luckily, you know, I've had a lot of people that have been patient, you know, and understanding about everything, but, uh, yeah, I can see where things can kind of go sideways a little bit, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I hate um, I hate tracking down blanks. That is the biggest yeah. pain in the butt. Yeah. I try to tell people, I'm like, if you want something custom done, find the blank and send it to me, and I'll discount, you know, the blank <laughs> price out of the cost. I was like, because I don't... You blow the blank up. <laughs> yeah, do that, right? I'm like, I don't have time to freaking find, search and look and find. That's the biggest pain in the butt. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot, man. Like, yeah, I probably got, compared to most people, it's nothing, dude, but I probably got three, four grand just of wood sitting around, you know, that I stocked up on it. It's a lot. It's a lot of money, a lot of inventory, you know, and trying to track stuff down, and, you know, you get into bidding wars with people for a killer blank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes a lot. So, yeah, that's, you know, I think, that's... uh, Go ahead, man. I'll, I'll, limit, I'll limit orders in the future, but it's not it's not going to be just wide open books, yeah. You know, where you get fifty people deep and then you're screwed. So, um, you know, it's just going to be you know little here and there, and then just make what I feel like making and post it up. And if someone wants it, cool. If not, I'll put it on my shelf and I'll hunt it. No, right, right. I think that's the best mindset to have, man. And it's funny, you were talking about having that many amount of blanks. I think I was talking to Meredith, and we were actually, I was like, dude, you have all your blanks insured, right? And he was like, because they were talking about his and then Alan Whitson's blank collection being so high. Uh, hopefully this doesn't cut out, because there's a freaking Amber Alert that just randomly popped up on the phone. Um, but... Yeah, he was talking about his and Alan Whitson's blank collection being so high, and I was like, hopefully you guys have those insured on, like, your homeowner's insurance. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you got it set up, because that'd be the most expensive fire ever. It is, yeah. I would cry. I would cry. <laughs> uh, it, you might as well just take $100 bills and light on fire if something happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, good luck getting it back, or insure it for twice what it's worth. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like having a boat, man. What's your boat worth? Oh, ninety grand. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got all sorts of stuff on it, man. Yeah, it's got all kinds of accessories on it. So, <laughs> well, Tyler, I appreciate your brother. Um, if people want to check out your stuff, what's your uh, your handle and business name and all that stuff? Yeah, so it's uh, Top Cutter Custom Calls. Um, I only got Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find them both at Top Cutter Custom Calls. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants anything, you can just shoot me a message. I'm, I'm pretty responsive on things, except for the last month when uh, Chris and I were trying to set everything up and get everything taken care of. But, um, yeah, man, that's it. Awesome, brother. Well, I, I appreciate your time tonight, man. And uh, good luck here in a couple of weeks when freaking honker season kicks off. Sounds good, man. I appreciate the time today. All right, buddy. Take care. Take care. Thanks. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. That was a uh, an entertaining one, man. He's uh, He hasn't been turning crazy long time. I, I can't believe it's already August. So eight months. He hit the ground freaking running. But, uh, you know, over there at uh, Top, Cus Top Cutter Custom Calls. I just completely screwed that up. Should have deleted it out of the episode anyway i'm rambling uh hopefully you guys liked it enjoy it share it check us out on social media check out the head-to-head -head starting next week yeah see ya